This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a show about cycling, sustainable transport and related matters coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Today on Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio on 3CR, I'm speaking to Nikki, who's involved with Radio Adelaide, about a series she's done called Step Away From The Car, which was recorded at the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference. Nikki, do you want to just introduce yourself and a bit of what you've done over the years? Sure. I was employed by Radio Adelaide for a very long time, actually, looking after the training. I have retired, and this is the second time this last year, this year, that I have attended that conference and set up with them to record interviews and produce a series that can be put up online. And I came up with that idea because I've been a cyclist since I was nine, really. I had to wait to get my first bike, but I eventually got one. Been loving it ever since and done quite a bit of cycling advocacy off and on in my life as well. So this conference, I reckon, is really worth giving some airspace to. Yeah, so uh, can you just list off some of the guests you had in the walk away from the car uh, 2.0? It wasn't a huge number of people, but pretty much everybody was doing something interesting and worth talking to, but we had decided in advance that we'd choose 10 people. The people that we spoke to, I'll tell you a few of them, or I might just give you a bit of an idea of the, of the, the conference in general. What I was impressed by this time where there were quite a few people who were what I would call young professionals really you know town planners transport planners they're making their living doing this there was a good turn up of that cohort there were also people from local councils academics who were researching in areas like public health and one of the people I spoke to was speaking about car design mechanical he was a mechanical engineer and he he spoke about the uh, work that a team at Adelaide University are doing and they have a goal of zero fatality for cyclists and pedestrians which is a pretty good goal and his job was to work with car designers and they've done work on things that I would never have thought of things like the height of the bumper bar so that if you get hit by a bumper bar it was less likely to break the legs. And he's working with a team of other people who are working on other aspects of this goal of zero fatalities. So, yeah, a very interesting mix of people. 
And the lovely thing was that they all loved cycling and walking. Okay, so we'll just go into the first one from this year's series, which is Slow Down Already. Are you trapped in your car? In this series, we explore different ways to Step away from the car. In our fast-paced world, we're constantly hearing messages to slow down. We generally understand that advice to be for individuals. But what if we approach it collectively and look at slowing whole cities down? Associate Professor Paul Tranter talks about cities that have done just that and not looked back. Hi, I'm Paul Tranter. I'm from UNSW Canberra at the Australian Defence Force Academy. In 1989, I had a study leave in England and I met some people who were doing some research on children's independent mobility in England and in Germany. Children in England had lost their levels of mobility dramatically from when they'd done similar research in 1971, but the German children still had very high levels of freedom. So I came back to Australia. The children weren't doing very well, very low levels of freedom. Is this to do with uh, city design? City design is certainly part of it. So if you design cities around high-speed transport, then it makes it very hard for parents to let their children walk or cycle. So how important is it that children keep this uh, sense of active transport and a sense of play? If you ask children, especially primary school children, how would they like to travel, the majority of them say, we'd prefer to walk or cycle. And also, it's really good for their physical development, social connection playful experiences with their peers and also with other people in the community and that's really important for their mental health as well as their their physical health. You're part of this push to slow areas of our cities down. We've been told for about a hundred years now that faster is better and that speed will give us all these advantages. Unfortunately it hasn't worked out like that. When we increase speeds in the city the city changes in response In, in particular the city sprawls The shops and schools and services are now spread further away. If we can start slowing down, and slowing down means two things, slowing the speed of motorised traffic, especially in residential streets. The second thing is switching modes, so getting more people to walk and cycle and use public transport. If we can do that, we can improve health in multiple ways. We can improve human health, we can improve economic health and environmental health. In human health, if we can reduce the speed of traffic, that makes the streets safer and it also makes them more pleasant. Not only will it reduce road crashes and reduce the severity of road crashes, but it also makes the the streets feel safer and feel more pleasant. That means that more people are likely to walk and cycle and more people are, are likely to let their children walk and cycle. And if we can get more people walking and cycling, then they have a greater connection with each other. The level of social connection is a really important part of human health. Then there's economic health. If you can survive in the slow modes of transport, you save a huge amount of money. Some recent research in Melbourne has shown that comparing a slow household that walks and cycles locally and uses public transport to go into the CBD, they're spending about $25 a week on transport. For a two-car household that never uses public transport, they could be spending $300 a week. The other economic benefits for individuals, if you walk and cycle more, your medical bills are likely to be lower, as are the medical bills for the entire city. 
if you think of retailers, and study after study has shown this, that retailers used to think, oh, we need parking right outside our shop. They don't. They're much better off without car parking and with either a street cafe or bicycle parking, they'll do much better. For entire cities, in terms of the amount of money that you spend on transport, cities that are dominated by the fast modes, cars, have to spend a lot more on infrastructure. And you can see that in the percentage of city income spent on transport, which in Australian cities is about 13%. In European cities, it's about 8%. And interestingly, people spend less time travelling per day than in the high-speed cities. How would you go about doing a transition to a slower city? It's a real challenge. Um, We have been told for 100 years that speed is good. So getting around that is going to be incredibly difficult. One suggestion is to use a child-friendly cities approach. When people think about the well-being of their children, it helps them to think more collectively about what's good for all children. In Australia and in a lot of particularly English-speaking countries, there's a, there's a mindset that you have to protect your individual child. This is done in a very individualistic way, so you do it by driving your children to school, to sport, to ballet, to their friends. So parents get caught in this trap, whereas in other nations, particularly Switzerland, Finland, Germany, even Japan, children are much more likely to be allowed to walk and cycle to school by themselves. One, the parents get their lives back, and two, the children get to have playful experiences on the way to and from school. One example I like to use is Professor Karen Malone, who's an expert in child-friendly cities. She visited Japan, and she was amazed to see groups of kindergarten children just walking to school without an adult. So she asked a, a Japanese colleague, why are there no adults looking after the children? And the answer from the Japanese colleague was surprised they they didn't understand the question they said but there's heaps of people looking after the children there's the other pedestrians there's the cyclists there's the shopkeepers we're all looking out for children whereas in Australia we haven't got that collective responsibility for other people's children and I think we need to to start thinking about how to improve the health of the whole community rather than thinking individually how to keep your own child safe or how to give your own child the best opportunities of success in a consumerist world. It sort of um, works both ways. If you can slow everything down so that people can get out and walk around and talk to each other, you can develop a sense of local community. There's an Australian researcher and and thinker called David Emwich, and he argues that there are three things you need to do to generate a strong local neighbourhood-based community. The first thing you need to do is go for a walk around your neighbourhood. The second thing you need to do is go for a walk around your neighbourhood. And you can probably guess what the third thing is. And what that does is, the first time you go for a walk around your neighbourhood, you might meet someone and nod to them. As you do that more and more, you get to know people. And pretty soon, you you start to get to know people in the local community that you wouldn't even know existed if you drive through the neighbourhood. And one of the reasons for that is that when you drive, the faster you drive, the narrower is your field of vision, your zone of vision. If you're driving at 25 kilometres an hour, you're aware of people on the side of the road. Once you start driving at you know, 40, 50 kilometres an hour, your vision is very much concentrated on the road ahead. But when you're walking or even cycling, there's opportunity for some social connection, which, as I explained earlier, is really important. These cities that you were talking about in Europe, were they full of cars and have managed to change from there? 
Most European cities up until the 1970s have followed the trend to increasing speed, more car-based transport. A lot of European cities, probably starting at about the 1970s, decided that this wasn't working. They started to introduce policies that would restrict the freedom of cars to drive at speed. And one of the most interesting examples comes from Graz, G-R-A-Z, Graz in Austria, where in um, the early 1990s, the local government decided that they would introduce a blanket 30 kilometre hour speed limit across the entire city. The people didn't want to do it. But the city government decided to do it anyway on the argument that how would they know whether they want it or not until they've experienced it? So they introduced it very carefully with a lot of community consultation. After two years, the majority of people, including the majority of motorists, were in support of it. It made the streets more pleasant, safer, more people walking and cycling, uh, lowered pollution levels, lowered noise levels. It was accepted. More and more cities in Europe are doing that, introducing 30 kilometre hour speed limits across huge areas. When you do that... 30 kilometre an hour becomes the norm and the whole city saves time, partly because they're not using cars, because cars steal our time, our money and our health. And very few people are aware that for the average driver you spend more time earning the money to pay for the car than driving the car. Associate Professor Paul Tranter is a geologist at Uni New South Wales concerned about the dominance of speed in urban planning and its effect on children's wellbeing. You've been listening to Step Away From The Car, recorded at the 2019 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference by Suzanne Rees and Nikki Page, and produced at Radio Adelaide. Distributed across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Summertime. Summertime brings wine. Pass me my Prosecco. Out on the patio. This year's delicious Radical Radio wines are generously sponsored by Breast's Winery in the Harcourt Valley. Specially priced at only $20 a bottle and even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. You can order via phone or online and collect it from 3CR during business hours up until noon on Tuesday the 24th of December. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR. Call the station during business hours on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Breastwines is a 3CR supporter. Back listening to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio and Community Radio 3CR. I'm talking to Nikki Page, and uh, we're talking about the Step Away from the Car series. Nikki, can you give us a bit of an overview of the first series that you did of Step Away from the Car? Well, that was 2017. The conference has actually been going for quite a few years. For some reason, this is the first time I'd ever come across it, and it's been run in Adelaide mostly. 2017. Interesting collection of people again. I did that series, Step Away from the Car, on my own. The 2019 one I've done with a colleague, Suzanne Rees, so that it wasn't such a big job to try to be at a conference, attend the sessions, 
be interested in them and then go chasing people and ask them if they'd be interviewed. It was an exciting thing to do because... Once again, there were, you know, good people doing lots of interesting stuff. Spoke to a woman from the Sydney City Council. She had a lovely phrase, which was the Trojan horse of fun. Because like a lot of cyclists know, it's a hell of a lot of fun cycling. It's even better fun when you cycle with other people. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people who haven't been on bikes don't know that. And so she and they had... a organised, amongst other things, events with um, a tweed race or something where people... A people tweed ride. Dressed, tweed ride there. Yeah. They, they dressed up in the era when bikes were first invented and liberated everybody who got onto them, especially women. So that's one that comes to mind. I spoke to an interesting woman about uh, walking and art. She was doing a big project of walking the in the steps of Windradine, who was a Wiradjuri warrior who walked all the way from Bathurst to Sydney. I believe I played that one in the 2007 series as well on the show because it was fascinating. Only two years ago, 2017. They're still up there on the website, on the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference website. So you can anybody who wants to can listen to either the 2017 or the 2019 podcasts we're not called well, I shouldn't call them podcasts because you can't actually subscribe to them but they are sitting there on the website and easy to listen to yeah you can stream from the website but uh, considering that we're putting several of them to air on Yarrabug you can probably stream it from here when we get that up I'm just trying to remember other highlights from 2017 I spoke to a guy from Auckland where they had repurposed an old off-ramp from a freeway and uh, they'd painted it bright pink. So that was that was a great thing. And there was that and then another big greenway that they'd put right through the suburbs of, of Auckland, the greenway being kind of connecting up off-road paths and tracks so that especially children are safe for children to be riding. A couple of women who'd done some great research about children using bikes or walking to school. And there's another... Uh, look at that in the 2019 step away from the car because of course the research keeps on and on showing that if you give children a choice they'd far rather cycle or walk to school and it's the parents who think they haven't got time as we just heard in that one about slow down already it's the adults who who get caught up in this thing that think that everything's got to go faster and in fact it costs us a great deal of money and health and and uh, carbon emissions and every other thing to be trying to go faster. Slowing mm. down is a good thing. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. So Radio Adelaide was set up 47 years ago in Adelaide and it continues to be one of the the great collection of stations in Adelaide. It used to be a lot bigger because it was set up under the auspices of Adelaide University. And 2016, I think, Adelaide University decided 
that they didn't want to spend the small amount of money that it cost them to run the station. And that was not in itself a bad thing to be to be cut loose. There are many community stations around Australia that have been cut loose by their universities and have kept going well, and, the, and Radio Adelaide is now one of them. It's been a pretty rocky ride for reasons that I won't go into, but the station is now... It's sort of lean and mean, really. We've got there are three staff, three excellent staff, and doing really working well together. But there's a financial crisis, which is big enough that the advice is that we will have to close our doors in January unless we raise fifty thousand. So that would be a. I hear you take in your breath there, yes, Chris. I did. <laughs> that would be a really bad thing if Radio Adelaide got to have to close down. But we're yeah. really well on the way to raising this 50000 And how can I people help from interstate? <laughs> it's easy. Mm. There's this thing called the internet. You just go to the Radio Adelaide website and it's an online uh, campaign. So we're up to a bit over 38000 last time I looked. So that's been fantastic just since the beginning of December. But the 50000 is a serious, serious goal. That's, that's the absolute bottom line that has to be raised to tide us over to the next round of great projects that the uh, staff have got planned. It's one of those campaigns where you can you pledge your money, put your credit card details in there, and if we reach 50,000, it'll be taken out. If not, it'll be, it's an all-or-nothing campaign. So Yeah, it's similar to like 3CR. We, we, we have to do like a, a, an annual radiothon because we don't take financial stuff from other, you know, from government. And we have to That's raise, right. um, was it two hundred and fifty? Yeah, two hundred and fifty, two hundred sixty thousand dollars a year to keep, you know, one one of the biggest radio stations in terms of the community radio network on air. And that's tiny, tiny sums of money compared to what's out there in commercial radio. So you've it's, got it's yeah. very tiny. And I think one of the things is, yeah, three CR is another station that I'd draw in my breath if I thought that it was going to have to close its doors. But Radio Adelaide, I guess the big difference has been they're both metro stations, both with amazing teams of volunteers, but 3CR's always relied far more heavily on its volunteers and on its community. Because Radio Adelaide had that backing from the University of Adelaide, you know, station workers, as we call them, didn't ever have to take on as many of the roles as they are now having to. So that's part of what's going on, but it's really it's much more that just plain old the, run, the money ran out. Sponsorship is terribly hard to get for every community station, for every commercial station even these days. It's really, really tight. So it comes much more down to partnerships with other organisations. Uh, Radio Adelaide's done a lot of great work with training and I can tell you that because I used to run the training (laughs) and and seriously I know that there have been brilliant partnerships with schools, with other smaller community stations and so on and that is that has been going but it hasn't been bringing any money for a while so but there are new there are new uh, projects in the pipeline as far as working with schools go and and uh, other uh, institutions so the future's looking really good it's just right now is looking a bit scary yes yeah, so uh if you've got some uh you know you've got some money spare 
go to the Radio Adelaide website and please support them and what you can because, you know, we want to see more series like, you know, Step Away From The Car and all the other great stuff that comes out of Adelaide to continue. Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, we've had some, been lucky enough to have some good hearty donations, not many of them, most of them have been, I think it's probably an average of about 100, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, Pretty yeah. good, pretty good. But um, as we saw with Barack Obama's campaign, you know, you get enough people chipping in $10, you can raise a lot of money. So every $10 does help. Currently, there are hundreds of asylum seekers from Sri Lanka facing a very uncertain future in Australia. These families struggle with working two or three low-wage jobs just to make ends meet and educate their children here. The Victorian Tamil Association has initiated a special Christmas Day Radiothon appeal to help unfortunate Tamil students. Between 9am to 5pm on Wednesday the 25th of December, we will take to the 3CR airwaves broadcasting Tamil voices and music and discussions with youth and asking the community to dig deep and donate to support our annual fundraising effort. The Victorian Tamil Association is a 3CR supporter. I'm riding on my bike I'm going round the block No, I can't cross the road I'm not allowed to do that I'm so happy here cuz I'm just riding on my bike I'm going round the block I'm checking out the dogs Barking as I pass them Barking back I laugh and I ride on on my bike I'm going round the block I'm singing to myself, love, uh, I'm counting purple flowers, and I'll do this for hours. Happy riding on my bike, I'm going round the block, I'm like an ice cream truck, I'm tasting all the flavors, I'm waving to my neighbors, hi, while I'm riding on my bike, I'm going round the block. I'm counting all the cracks, six, seven, eight. Yeah, I'm the pavement agent. On my house is the station. And I ride past on my bike. I'm going round the block. My dummy's rumbling. My mom is selling tickets to broccoli and fish sticks. I'm You're listening to 3CR. Music on 3CR is the best. La 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 la. You're listening to 3CR. 3CR, 3CR, 3CR. This week's Yarra Bicycle User Group radio program should be podcast soon on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or go to yarrabug.org forward slash radio. If you want to find additional details of what we discussed today, these podcasts are produced at Melbourne's activist radio station, 3CR. Presenters are all volunteers, and 3CR's existence depends upon the financial support of our listeners. Go to 3cr.org.au, click on the support tab, 
and select either donate, subscribe, shop or fundraisers. Your subscription or donation keeps 3CR on air. Skies over along the 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. To find out more, Google Vacro or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride. Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.